0: Hey everyone, Greg Wells here. Just wanted to take a moment and let you know that we have an app. During lockdown, uh, when everything sort of shut down, we put all our efforts and energies at Wells Performance into digital because we had to. Uh, Clearly, I wasn't doing any public speaking around the world, so things needed to change. So we took something that we'd been working on for about three years, sort of in the background and brought it to the like urgent forefront of what we were doing. And uh, we put all our efforts and energies into finishing our app. Uh, So I've had a number of PhDs working on this for many years. we have got Ming Chang Tsai doing data analytics, Jessica Cattarini doing the medical side of things, Evan Lewis doing the work on nutrition. I've been doing some stuff on On sleep, and Sarah Thompson's been working on the kinesiology side of things. And we have built this app. We we call it Vivio, V I I V I O, that's Latin for life. The website's V I I V. I O, so Vivio. And we built an app that tracks your sleep, nutrition, exercise, and mindset using all the latest tools and technologies that are available in uh, iOS and Apple Watch. So it's built currently for Apple Watch and iPhone. It basically allows you to track your sleep, track your nutrition, track your exercise, track your mindset. And then we built an algorithm that gives you individualized recommendations based on your own results. I basically built an app that I wanted to have that had everything in one place. So I don't have to have just my, you know, my workout tracker and then my sleep tracker. And like, it's all over the place. We built one that has everything in one location. we used the latest research to build the scoring mechanisms so we score actually every single one of those areas eat sleep move thinks. gets a score out of 10 on a daily basis to give you a sense of how you're doing uh, against the latest research and the top thinking so we're pretty excited about it it's uh, definitely for biohackers it's definitely for people that are really interested in you know pushing the limits on their health and well-being and performance which is probably you if you're listening to this podcast uh, introductory the basic version's free so you can check it out absolutely free. There's no cost. Uh, The pro version gets you the daily tips and access to your history if you want to see how you're doing and improving. So if you want to check it out, you can do so at no cost. If you want to get the pro version, we would be infinitely grateful and uh, just so privileged to have your support on that. So check it out, viiv.io. It's Vivio. We'd love to hear what you think of our new app that we built during lockdown. All right. Hope you're good and please enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for coming and joining me for another episode of my podcast, where every week I do my best to interview people about health, well-being, and high performance. And this week, we're very fortunate to be able to bring back Dr. Ivan Joseph. Dr. Joseph was here for an episode a little while ago, not too long ago, actually. We spoke a lot about Black Lives Matter because that was... Uh, the time when uh, that issue really came to the fore during the pandemic, and we needed some clarity and we needed some understanding. And he certainly provided a lot of that. We continued to go down the road of uh, being anti-racist and not just simply not racist as a result of that conversation, which certainly elevated my life in a big way. I wanted to bring Dr. Joseph back in and dive a little bit deeper into his expertise around cultural transformation, around confidence, around high performance, and frankly, about winning. He's been a part of many different high performance organizations around the world um, and continues to do so. He was the director of athletics at Ryerson University, uh, where he helped that athletic program rise to national prominence, where, and the Ryerson Rams went on to win provincial national championships for the very first time in the institution's history, while also achieving GPAs higher than the student body average for the first time while he was there with that organization. He currently is the vice president of student affairs at Laurier University and. Dr. Joseph leads the university's efforts to promote interconnectedness and belonging amongst a diverse student body drawn from around the country and around the globe. So we're really fortunate to have him here. Uh, His TEDx talk has been seen more than 20 million times where he speaks to the impact um, he has on people, uh, which speaks to the impact that he has on people. Forbes is named at one of the 10 best TED Talks about the meaning of life. And in addition to being an in-demand speaker, a consultant, and a coach, he contributes regularly to publications, including the Huffington Post and the Globe and Mail. And he was the author of the best-selling book, You Got This, Mastering the Skill of Self-Confidence, which is all that we talk about in this particular interview. So I hope that you enjoy it. Please welcome back the incredible, the knowledgeable, the, the the highly experienced in the field of peak performance and achievement, Dr. Ivan Joseph. Doc, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me, Greg, good to be here.
0: Yeah, good to see you too. Um, settling into this new reality that we're all in, um, tell me where I'm finding you, What's uh, what's the world looking like for you these days?
1: You know what? I've just left the East Coast after 24 months there, and I'm at Wilfrid Laurier University, uh, vice president of a great university. I'm in Waterloo County, just outside of Waterloo, actually. Landed myself on a small little five-acre farm. For those of your viewers who are of my vintage, think Green Acres is the place you want to be. That's where you'll find me.
0: Nice. Just before we jumped on, we were talking about, you know, like just how we're doing and what's going on. And, you know, I was saying something's going well and other things, yeah, you know, oh, it's just not quite where I want it to be. And your, your, your advice was basically summed up in one word, which is just patience. So I, I think that's a good place to start. Cause you know, I'm, I, I could use a bit more patience.
1: You know, you know, this is a, a common thing with a lot of high performers. We, um, we want success immediately and now. I was just talking to my daughter and, and her uh, gentleman friend last night who's, you know, they're millennials, and they want it now. They want it immediately. They want the corner office. They want the fancy title of the company car. And I'm just like, be patient. Be willing to put your time in, invest in it, and good things will come. And they'll come when you are well-prepared. And I, hopefully he heard the message. And that's the thing I would tell a lot of people at this time is do the good work and be patient.
0: Nice. As we're going through being patient, doing the good work, and maybe we haven't quite gotten to the results yet, how can we keep our confidence up that we're going down the right road, we're we're doing the right things, things are going to pay off? Like, how do we keep our confidence
1: up? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the re- the, the things that you have to um, make sure that you do is before you you get into the work of the trenches and and doing the busyness is have your dashboard gauges along the way. Your realistic dashboard mm-hmm. gauges that are are kind of like, yeah, this is what will success will look like. This is what realistic success will look like. And think about that all along the path. And so. That because what happens when you're in the middle, you forget about, you know, when I started, I said, if I could get one client, I would be that would be a win. And and make sure that when you get that client, you don't put it away like, oh, no, now I want three. You know, Mm. this is why I think it's important that you start that process before the journey, because as we get rolling, we'll get a little greedy and we'll want more and more. High performers are never really ever satisfied with the status quo. And so it's important that you go back to that starting board celebration dashboard gauge, whatever you want to call it, and remind yourself, this is what success looked like to me when I started this journey. Let me be kind to myself and celebrate these moments.
0: Talk to me about the celebration dashboard. I think that's a really interesting idea. I haven't heard that before. It's really important because, like you said, your end The end zone is constantly changing right and we constantly just sort of move it further away and my end zone now would have been like a home run when i started before but now i'm like ah you know like so the celebration dashboard is an interesting idea
1: yeah you know i remember one time i had a friend of mine said ivan you're never happy um and it is true because to your point those of us once we achieve we're on to the next thing we're on to the next thing And it's this cycle that we can never quite catch up. And we run this danger of burning ourselves out or burning Mm -hmm. the people that are part of our team out. Um, And so we have to be mindful of this as leaders. And so how I tried to combat this was before I start every project, we talk about what the outcome will look like. And we give that five-year timeline or that 12-month timeline or that six-month timeline. But we want these little steps along the way that will make sure that we're making progress How will Hmm. we know that we're on the right direction? It will look like this. How will we know we're moving forward and still do it? It will look like this. You know, in six months, I want, and let's say I'm in the business world, I want to have my first client, okay? In in 12 months, I want to have left this office and have doubled my client potential, right? Whatever those things are, that will tell me that I'm moving in the right direction. And so it's important that to me, it's kind of like how we do the SMART goals. We ladder up and everyone mm-hmm. kind of ladders from one to the other. The progression, that dashboard celebration has to have that progression and it has to be tangible. And it's not an, it's not enough just to write it down. It's enough now you have to share it with folks and you have to celebrate it. Meaning public announcements, whatever your rituals are so that people get to share in that. And you're thanking the people who were um, with you along the way and you're thanking the people who not only are your clients, but the people who helped you um, get there. When you, one of the things you'll learn, um, you know, when I was studying optimism, is that it's important that we take time to have gratitude um, in terms of our celebrations and accomplishments, so we can stay at that place of happiness and well-being. And that's where I started this process.
0: I love it. So I wrote down: write, share, celebrate, and thank. As like tangible progression steps, as you were talking, does that resonate? Yeah,
1: yeah I love it. I didn't. I've never looked at it that way. Right, share, celebrate, and thank. I'd probably do it this way: write, share, thank, and celebrate. Right, because that's part <laughs> yeah, right. Of that part. So celebration. then
0: you're not celebrating yourself first before
1: yeah. you thank everybody <laughs> right? else. We're <You're> awesome, <laughs> boy yeah,
0: Thank you. You're right. That's actually exactly where that should go. I'm gonna I'm do gonna, some I'm gonna
1: thinking gonna write on that, that down myself now because I'm gonna. Yeah, use we that. should
0: we should make notes as we're sort of crafting our next book. Um, <laughs> I really like that one. The other thing that I like that you mentioned was optimism. Mm -hmm. And like, we're still in the middle of a lot of uncertainty right now. Uh, We're recording this near the end of 2020. And it's still a very strange time with lots of fear. I think that optimism is probably at a premium right now and a lot of people might be having trouble feeling optimistic although by the time this podcast comes out it's going to be in 2021 and i really hope things are you know ramping up in a different direction keep your fingers crossed everyone no matter what um but i'd love to know more about optimism like how do you stay optimistic how can we stay more optimistic how do we focus on that a bit more
1: yeah you know this is a new area that i'm starting to do a lot of research in and what you know where i found this topic is i was reading about um a soccer story about when France won the World Cup. France won the World Cup in the early 80s and they, and against Brazil. And they had, in that time, they looked and they noticed that um, heart attacks in males went down significantly during that one day, as opposed to a three-week period on either side of that day, right? The happiness and the joy of that moment, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of other confounding variables, but they linked this optimism to well-being and health. In fact, they found that optimistic people live eight years longer on average. They, they're less likely to go back for recurring surgeries after recovering from the hospital. Like the research out, is out there is amazing, and so I started looking at this. And the one thing that we found is that like people think optimism is just about happy, positive thoughts, and it's not. Optimism is about yes, positive thinking, but a plan of action. And that's mm. the key piece, right? It's not just about warm, fuzzy thinking. It's that plan of action that moves you to accomplish the task despite the obstacles or whatever it might be.
0: Positive and thinking plus and plus the plan of action yields optimism. optimism. Love and it.
1: And you'll find, and it's interesting. So here's here's how it works. So I study confidence. My person that really got me into confidence was Angela Duckworth from Grit, and she helped advise me and did some work with me early in my research. Duckworth's advisor was a guy by the name of Seligman. Seligman studies happiness, and he's the seminal researcher in this whole field of optimism. There's a link between optimism, grit, and confidence.
0: Hmm. Can you explain that link between optimism, I'm just writing notes, optimism, grit, And
1: confidence. Right. I love that. Yeah. So in order for, you know, optimism is, you can't have optimism without happiness. Hmm. And happiness is about, well, how do you get happy? Gratitude. Being in the flow. Having a strong sense of connections and relationships. Seligman talks about the gratitude journal. Um, If you write a letter to other folks, um, thanking them about all the things that they've done for you and you read that letter to them, you have a spike of dopamine that's released. Your happiness, in, in other words, you feel happier. You increase your optimism. You feel better about yourself. It lingers 30 days later. If you write a letter to yourself, or no, sorry, not a letter to yourself, to others, that's a one way. But if you spend time writing three um, statements of gratitude, I'm happy because of this, I'm happy because of this. I'm happy because of this. But not just what you're happy about. You know, it's important to link it to the action that you have. So I got the promotion because I did this work. Mm -hmm. I I got a raise because I did this. If you spend time doing that once a week, your your optimism and your happiness levels increase. It's called the, the gratitude visit. And it's interesting. You don't have to do it every day. There's no difference between people that do it every day and people that do it once a week. This whole field of optimism and happiness, I think, is is ripe for a new book for you, Greg. It is an <laughs> it interesting is field. Cool. <laughs> I'm I've practiced
0: fri- doing um thanks on Friday afternoons, and I counsel <laughs> the, the CEOs that I work with to you know take Friday afternoons and write five quick emails just thanking people you don't need to do it even on paper just like a quick thank you for something that happened from your team during that week and they report back that it absolutely totally changes the entire culture of the organization very very quickly
1: absolutely
0: i no. am wondering also about the what do you think the mechanism is of gratitude and thanking others like it la the benefits last for up to 30 days that's really quite wild
1: yeah You know, and and I'll tell you this, I don't know enough about what that what's happening there, but I will tell you this, that I've noticed it in myself and the people Mm. I'm leading to your point to the CEO. I don't want to send, you know, your listeners down this fairy tale where I, you know, I'm just waxing and waning about stuff I don't know about. But I will tell you this, that I have saw and noticed the difference in how it's reciprocated from the people that I'm leading throughout and across the organization.
0: Interesting. What's the relationship between flow states and confidence?
1: Oh, nice. So, I never get his name right. So, you know the researcher that studied flow, heli Is it called Oh, that was a
0: very very good, very good. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's the, I never get it right.
0: But and Semidhai or something, I can't remember. I'm going to look it up as you're speaking so we get it right, but you're but, you're correct.
1: So, flow is about um, you know when you're doing something and all of a sudden time just flew by. Um, Whether, you know, for some of you, it might be, oh man, I finally got that date and it was, you know, we went to the movies and the movie was over so quickly, I wish it would have stayed. Or you're in that, you're doing a task and you're so zoned in, you're in the zone, that's where that comes from. And things are easy for you. We want to find things that are in our strengths, are in our wheelhouse, where they're easy for us. And because when they're easy for us, we feel good about it. And when we feel good about the task... Excellence usually happens and then the Mm -hmm. feedback comes back. Oh man, you're awesome. Oh, that was so good. And it's this self fulfilling prophecy. You feel good. People tell you you're good. You act good. You walk good. All of a sudden, your confidence is risen. Why? Because you're doing the things that are right in your sweet spot. This is a big lead to strengths, you know, finding your strengths. And I know I've heard you speak about this. This is where we need to get to.
0: Excellence yields feedback which yields confidence, which builds strengths. I don't know why I'm just noting these sequences of things that you're saying together, but it's kind of mm-hmm. cool how that's playing out. What do we do if we don't necessarily have excellence yet? How do we build confidence so that we're not faking it until you make it, which is a term that bothers me. I don't know why, but <laughs> would love for your thoughts on that.
1: You know, it's a, it's a tough spot to be because we, you know, the fake it till you make it leads to that imposter syndrome, which where oh, everybody will have that that sense of doubt that will come and overtake Totally, right? It's 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 the natural piece. And so one of the things about building excellence is stop looking at the end project as the excellence grade. Break whatever task you're doing into bite-sized, meaningful chunks. And, and that's that whole part, whole equation that we physical educators teach. If I'm going to teach you how to do the bicycle kick or how to drive a stick shift or how to give that amazing presentation, I don't need to measure you at the end of the day on any one of those tasks. I just need to figure one small piece of it to let that be the grade. And so whatever it might be.
0: Interesting. So I was working with a really great golfer, LPGA tour player. Uh young woman came up through the the system, the national team system and she's super talented, hits it a mile. And we were in I think the UK and she she shanked three shots off the tee like really badly, like you know, like I would. And she was getting so frustrated and really angry, right? French Canadians like that swearing's coming out and everything like that. It was one was like Okay, let's just take a breath. How many times have you done this before? It's like, okay, okay, okay. I'm like, okay, let's just think about one little thing that's going to help you in this moment. It's like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, hit, just make good contact. All right, let's take a breath and let's focus on that one little thing. So the idea of like breaking things down, a bigger piece down into manageable chunks. We're not worried about the overall score of the entire day. We're not even worried about the score on the whole. We're not even worried about uh, about the, the swing itself. We're only worried about the golf club making contact with the ball.
1: That's it. Yes, and this is where it's important that you as the leader praise her process. And so the ball might've still went shanked or gone short, but your focus and your grade and your feedback is only on that contact point, right? Helping right. her to let go of all that other noise that might be distracting and impact her confidence.
0: How do we let go of some of that noise? Do you have any ideas around that? Because there's so much chatter right now. There's so much, you know, it's just, it's so hard to stay focused and eliminate distractions in this era.
1: Yeah, um, so there's a couple things. First off, you have to recognize where the distractions are coming from. You have <laughs> to start there. If you don't start there, you don't know where what dial to turn off. And so for some people, that's external distractions, the TV, you Mm. know, the the mom, the grandma, the grandpa, the colleague, the the, the cell phone, yes, right? All of those things. So you've got to figure out. And again, it's not a matter of cold turkey, but it is a matter of how do you limit those distractions so they're not interacting with you all the time. The other piece is to combat those distractions. And they say this about optimism, right? optimism is not the the absence of negative thoughts right but what we can do is replace those with some more positivity whatever that ratio might be and so if you're watching cnn or fox news you know two hours a day then you better spend four hours a day doing something positive to combat that or six hours a day with my athletes i always talk about a three to one ratio they say some of the very best and most optimistic people have noted that that, that ratio is 13 to 1.
0: Interesting, because I, um, I just wrote down 8 to 1 as a number that just sort of popped into my head as you were speaking. Mm-hmm. And it is a very interesting process because I think to some extent… Negativity is easier to pay attention to if you even just consider it from like an evolutionary perspective If you hear branches crackling in the woods around the campfire, you probably should look at the <laughs> at the Whatever's yeah. causing those branches to crackle, right? So like negativity gathers our attention very very quickly however, it's easy in this era to get stuck thinking only about negativity only about the threats only yes. about the um, the complaining only about the the negative, and fundamentally shifting to a more positive outlook, helping people to move their attention to things that they're grateful for, things that they can control, things that are in their life in this particular instant, is a very interesting practice.
1: You you know, and that that was about that extrinsic piece when it's coming from outside sources, when you're coming, when it's coming from you inside, internal, because you could be your own worst enemy and distraction, that's when I always speak about the things that we work on from a high performance point of view, the thought stopping, Mm. the physical exercises, whatever that might be, the finger snap, the hand clap, right? Whatever gesture it is to stop the negative thought and replace it with your own positive self-affirmation statement of positivity. Because I think that's important to quiet your own noise in your head. Totally.
0: Um, And it's funny, if you look at a lot of athletes, you'll see them doing the The hand slapping the like you can see Usain Bolt doing the face wiping right every single time before they start, they do certain actions, which is probably to stop those thoughts, bring themselves into the moment that they can do what they need to do and eliminate those distractions. Super interesting.
1: Yeah, these rituals and and when I so when I work with athletes, I sometimes will clip these different little pieces you know, watch how he points before up and down, like, and you'll see it. It's this pre-performance routine that they don't waver from because it's part of setting them up for success and putting them in the right mindset to, to accomplish the task at hand.
0: What do you think about the power of routines? Cause we talk about the morning routine, the pre I'm like the, my pre-presentation routine, something I've been working on, um, nutrition routines, like talk to me about the power of routines for not only athletes, but for all of us.
1: Oh, I'm a big, huge believer in a a routine. And it all comes down to what we'll call attention. Um, Hmm. So let's just say in my cup here, right? I've got this metaphorical cup that's filled with water. It represents what's called, this is my focus bucket. Every time I attend to a novel task, I empty my focus bucket. The more novel the task, the bigger and quicker that cup is depleted. The more routine the task, the smaller that task, that bucket is emptied, Mm. right? Because I don't need to take as much attention because I've already learned that task. I'm not focused. I'm not where I need to be. What happens is we do some of these novel tasks and then all of a sudden at the end of the day, you're exhausted and you make a stupid mistake. You're in the fourth quarter. How did he miss that shot? How did he not know there was another timeout left or not another timeout? You watch high performers. There's a reason they, Steve Jobs, I showed a slide one day of Steve Jobs doing 20 years of presentations. Same black turtleneck, same blue jeans, same white running shoes. Bill Belichick, right? Patriots, same hoodie every day. People that eat the same meal, drive the same way to work. One of the reasons is they're not using any attention from their focus bucket to accomplish those tasks at hand because of their routine. And then when they need them, that focus bucket is ripe and full and ready to be used.
0: I love it. I've been radically simplifying my life largely through the elimination of like clothes, um, like just getting rid of so much stuff. I got rid of hundreds of books just to keep the key ones that I really love. But I'm, you know, even right now I'm, you know, black t-shirt. I wear this almost every single day. I've got a bunch of them very slightly to a dark blue every once in a while. Um, but when I'm doing speaking, I've got the same thing I wear every single time. So I'm not thinking about what to wear. I'm just simply sitting down these days at my desk in front of the camera and and going. So that minimalist idea is, is super interesting, right? That Steve Jobs wore the same thing for 20 years on stage for all of his presentations, not thinking about it. Um, I've heard that um, not the current president, but uh, Barack Obama had you know, a couple blue suits, bunch of white shirts and two different colors ties. There was never really any decision making about what suit was going to, the only decision was like, is it a red or a blue tie? That's it. Um, so that's that radical simplification of of your life is, I have found extraordinarily liberating, which has been pushed even further in this COVID-19 time where so much of what I was doing in my life I'm not allowed to do anymore. So just I've just felt this huge wave of minimalism flood through my family and I that's actually been quite liberating to some extent. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there and see what you think. No, I agree. Um, Also very interested in something. This is a practice I'm trying to get better at, which is savoring the successes. Mm -hmm. Really, you know, allowing myself to celebrate, allowing my team to pause and to um, appreciate what we've been able to do Uh, and just savor that, that success, whether it's savoring success or it's savoring life or savoring food or savoring relationships that, that I think that that is becoming a really important key to enjoying life. Would love your thoughts on that too.
1: You know, you're right back. This is what um, Seligman in the sixties, when he was talking about optimism and happiness, he called reminiscing, but the new Mm. term is, is savoring. Uh, and I, I, I'm i a big believer. Remember when um, was about recalling moments in the past when happiness occurred. Savoring is about living in the moment and being, being present. You know, mm-hmm. when we talk about mindfulness, it is enjoying the moment and being in the, you know, sometimes we're so ready to get to the next moment, to get to the next thing, or worried about what's coming that we can't sit and enjoy and quiet ourselves to really feel it. Um, optimism is about happiness. Happiness is fueled by savoring the moment because they're fleeting.
0: Yeah. What do you have a mindfulness meditation practice? Like, do you have a a way that you work on being present?
1: Yes, indeed. And I've had to do this as, you know, as you start to launch a business, as you try to become a vice president, you know, one day I woke up and I noticed that my kids, you know, was like, oh my gosh, they're grownups almost. I better slow down and be in the moment and so one of the things i do in the morning right then and there is i sit there and it's just a deep breath in and this is a you know it's my i got this from my mother which is deep breath hold your breath for 10 seconds right i just i hold it for 10 and then i just slowly relax and when i'm there i'm just for me it's a little prayer because i'm a man of spiritual here are my blessings for the day right and that's it. Here are my blessings. That's my mantra. Here are my blessings for the day. Ten seconds in, slowly out. Right. And um, it started probably about four years ago. Um, and my blessings are for the day are all the things that I'm grateful for, all the things that mm-hmm. I've been blessed with. And, and, and it's a nice way to reflect on where I am and all that I have in my bountiful life.
0: Very, very cool. Do you think that it matters that you do it in the morning? Does it matter what time of day this happens? I also find that when I do an affirmation first thing in the morning, wake up, look outside and literally just say, Hey, Greg, this is gonna be a great day. It's a completely different first two hours for me than when I forget to do that. And I'm just, you know, Chasing my son Adam around the house as he's kicking the soccer ball with my dog and breaking things. So anyway, yeah. You know, Doesn't matter if it's in the morning.
1: I find it sets me up for success. When I do that and I do my fast five, which are those quick little hit things that I need to get off my list, I feel like it sets my tone and my joy. I'm productive and I'm ready. It's like I'm hitting the starting blocks with a with a boost of nitro. I'm from fast mm. into furious, boom, and I get going.
0: You're busy. You've got a business that you're running and developing, which you know is not the easiest thing in the world to do, and you're the VP of one of the, you know, probably the, the the top, you know, high technology university in the country. How how are you doing that? Like this is just incredible. How do you make that work? How do you survive? How do you get healthier? Like you're ha- you're happy, you're thriving. Like how do we keep our mental health up? How do you how do you get that done? I'm super curious.
1: Well, I think the first thing is recognize that nobody does anything alone, right? And yeah. so I have an incredible partner, um, you know, Sonny McGaw, who's behind the scenes doing a lot of a lot of the heavy lifting. And so I can mm. come and shine in my strengths. If I yeah. was in the admin and the details, it would tax me and it would wear me out. So I have a complimentary team where I get to focus on my strengths and my strengths gives me energy. If I had to be working on the bookings and the billings and the scheduling, it, you would see a very old man staring at the screen at you. So that's that's the important piece. The number two thing is, is I take intentional time and I pay attention to my tells, Greg, about when I'm stressed. When mm. I start losing my keys and I can't remember where my phone or my wallet is, too much on my plate. If I feel like it's time, like the other day I went on the Grand River and I did a three-hour canoe because wow. it was a beautiful day. And even though I had tons of work, I knew that I would be more productive if I took care of my health and well-being and got out there. So, I don't let the work um, come first before my health and well-being, and I'm paying attention. A long time ago, when my palms started to stress and peel, that was a sign that I was way overburdened. And since then, I've I've paid attention to these physiological and, and, and mental cues.
0: I love the idea of shining in your strengths and that your strengths give you energy. How did you find your strengths and how did you learn to delegate what were not your strengths so that you can focus more of your time in your life on the things that give you happiness?
1: You know what? Um, I'll tell you a quick story. I was a residence life director at Dawn and Sense. And um, there was two tasks that need to happen. One was somebody had to schedule the, all the um, the House presidents, the floor leaders. And the other one was somebody had to present on a topic. I had, a, and we'd rotate through all these t- different tasks evenly. I would screw up the scheduling every time. Oh, somebody wouldn't get the right weekend. Somebody, too much, somebody didn't have enough Saturdays, Tuesday. I was always, oh, and everybody would get frustrated and mad at me. And there was a lady who had to do the presentation, and it was a boring mess. She was sweat buckets. She was a nervous Nelly. And I remember us looking at each other and just like, why are we doing this to each other? I'll do the presentations if you do the scheduling. She's like, sold. It was like, really? It was like Briar Rabbit in the Briar Patch. You know what I mean? Like, I found, I'm like, this isn't work for me. It was that was the, it's about 25 years ago, 20 years ago when I recognized it's like, Why do I want to be average in something? Like if I worked on a weakness, at best, I would be average. Mm -hmm. If I worked on something that I was good at, I would become exceptional at it. And so I started thinking about how to compliment myself and, and focus on my strengths. But the key to this, Greg, and I want your readers to hear this, is that you got to then not be ashamed or embarrassed or beat yourself up about the things you're not good at. And that was hard for me. That's where my confidence took a blow because I felt like I needed to be this detailed oriented I needed to do all these things well. And if I wasn't, then I wasn't a great leader. And I had to give myself grace and recognize that I had different talents that would make me exceptional, focus on the people around me to make the whole team exceptional.
0: I think that there's been – first of all, I can't agree with that more than like my life is, you know, gotten infinitely better since I've given myself permission to focus on the strengths and absolutely delegate things that are not, you know, my strengths. I am horrific at admin, um, <laughs> horrific at invoicing. I'm terrible at accounting. Therefore, all of that has to go, or I'm going to get, you know, arrested by the government for not paying my taxes. So, <laughs> cause I'll simply forget, or deliberately forget. I'm not quite sure which. But anyway, so when I, when I spend time on my strengths, that's the key. And giving yourself grace not to have to do everything is an art form. Any guidance for people on that? Because that is the key. But it is incredibly difficult. There's so much pressure now to be superhuman and to try to do everything and be everything to everybody.
1: Yeah. So recognize where, for me, grace starts starts with forgiveness. Um, And letting go of being perfect. And so Mm. if, if you want to give yourself grace, then you've got to forgive yourself and you have to let go of being perfect. When you can do that, and then it's about the generosity of leadership, meaning you have to be willing to be vulnerable and let other people know where your strengths are and what your opportunities for improvement and invite them to the table to help you. You will recognize that you will take this next leap forward. I was a good athletic director. When I brought in a lady by the name of Heather Adam to be my director of operations and strategy, Zoom. We went to the next level. Our meetings became crisp. Everything became sharp. But in order to do that, I had to be vulnerable to her. I had to allow her to see me in all my failings so she knew how to best help me. And because she wasn't a judgmental person, I picked the right person. She was able to see value in who I was instead of being a judger of who I was not.
0: Isn't it interesting that in order to be successful, we've got to be vulnerable and open up to our weaknesses, show our weaknesses to everybody, let everyone know what our weaknesses are, be very sure that everyone is absolutely clear about what we are not good at. And when we do that, that actually opens you up for greater success. Isn't yeah. that totally opposite to the normal way of
1: thinking? Absolutely. Because what the, all of a sudden then, people will then surround you, or they'll give you the right task for your strengths to shine. But you're right. People don't think about it like that because they're too, you know, no, 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 you know, it's protectionism almost. Yeah.
0: Which also speaks to like building a diverse team. Because then if you have a team with a whole bunch of different, you don't want a whole bunch of replicas of you, you want you, you absolutely don't want more of you. You need people that are very different, different skill sets, different energy levels, different introvert, extrovert, like all that, because then you might actually have a group of people that can get the job done amen. in its entirety.
1: Amen, amen.
0: I'm also, and this is the last thing I, I'll ask you about and then I'll let you go, because I know that your time is valuable, but you said something that's been coming up over and over and over on this show, and it's in a, a real big practice. And that is opening up space and letting things go. And so opening up space in your life saying no, obviously that's like not doing those things on your weaknesses offloading that so that you can focus more on what you're great at. But the idea of letting go and opening up space in your life is a fascinating one for me. It's hard as a type a overachiever, who's constantly trying to do more things every single day, but giving myself space to have time, energy, just to do nothing or have nothing uh, programmed is a very interesting, this, is, this has become a, 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 a bit, not an obsession, but it's become, I realize the more I do it, the better things are going. So I would love your take on that since you brought it up and it's been coming up over and over and over again.
1: You know, one of the things that I recognized is that in order to let things go, there's, I sometimes speak about getting away from the people who will tear you down. And so mm. that's a way of creating space. There's that physical barriers. You know, I, left a, I left a job for a new job in order to create my, give myself space. You know, I think it's important, and this is when you, you, know, you heard me speak earlier about paying attention to your tells. Sometimes we are so willing to be persistent. We interpret confidence and grit and resilience as staying in things no matter what. And then you have to recognize that if something's no longer good for you or good to you, you have to try and recalibrate and you have mm-hmm. to move. It doesn't mean that you abandon the dream altogether, but you might need to be creative and flexible in thinking, how can I still accomplish the task a different way, a different mm-hmm. opportunity? And that's about creating space. Because if you stay there and you keep staying there, then your health and your well-being can be impacted and affected. Right? And so I think it's really important for us to recognize that giving yourself space is not just always about doing nothing. Sometimes giving yourself space is about making those hard decisions and hard actions that even though they might seem scary and, 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 and you need to take a leap into the unknown, they create greater opportunities for you to really flourish and thrive. And that's important.
0: Where do you think you're going to be flourishing and thriving in the next little while? What's got your attention? What are you leaning into? Like, what's, uh, what's, where's, your, where's your energy being put these days?
1: You know, right now, you know, I'm sitting at a great university and I've got this new team of all these excited leaders Mm. and I've never sat around a president's table before. You know, I've been a vice president, um, but never at the president's table. For me, to see what an exceptional leader does, I'm working for a really great university president, Wilfred Laurier. I want to see and, and learn how she leads a team and pulls together um, a diverse group of high performers. That, to me, is going to be something that's going to be, hmm. But the next thing I'm really doing is I'm leaning into this whole space of how do I, you know, you heard me speak about it earlier, is how do I take this whole momentum that's happened with the Black Lives Matters movement, mm. with, all the, with all the systemic pieces, and create a movement? How do I put my energy into my people and create something that's more long-lasting, that's not just this one flash in the pan, now let's go back to our business? So I'm really looking at trying to really think about ways to support diverse students and diverse programming at Wilfrid Laurier University.
0: I love it. Keep it up. Don't stop. You're doing great. Honored and privileged that you didn't have any time whatsoever to spend with me and on this show. So thanks so much, Doc. I really appreciate it. Where can people follow you online? How can people get in touch and connect with you?
1: Follow me on all the socials. I'm launching a new course called the Masterclass, the Skill of Self-Confidence. It's coming out November 24th. But if you're hearing this in February, you can go on any of the socials, uh, my Instagram. Um, or send me an uh, email at hello at Dr. Ivan Joseph, and I'll I'll connect with you on that. So thanks for having me, Greg. Appreciate it.
0: Amazing. Thanks again, Doc. Really appreciate it. Take care. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly did. Dr. Joseph is fantastic. So lucky to have him in my realm and be able to uh, have conversations like that dr joseph's book is you got this you can check him out on social he's very active he's in new he has a new online course available which you should check out and just very very fortunate to have been able to have him here with us today if you enjoyed that show please let others know about it. If you can share the episode, that would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you can share it within your network, we'd greatly appreciate it. Feel free to give us a review on iTunes. That's also incredibly helpful. And if you have not yet subscribed, please do so. That'd be fantastic. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to let me know what you thought about this show, please feel free to ping me at Dr. Greg Wells on social or through my website, www.drgreggwells.com That's it for this week, everyone. Thanks so much for listening in. We really appreciate it. And we will talk to you again really, really soon. Stay healthy and safe.